Um, we are also getting into a series uh, today on spiritual gifts, but as Kevin alluded to, next week is a little bit of a break in that series because it's kind of a family meeting day next week uh, where we'll have our annual church business meeting, uh, and we certainly want you to be out at that. Don't miss that. I know summertime is difficult. People kind of scatter here and there and everywhere, uh, but I hope to see you next week when we have our annual church business meeting and then our church picnic a few weeks after that. It'll be a great time together. So we're going to get into the Word this morning, and as you came in, you may have seen a purple sheet of paper out there like this on the table. If you didn't get one of these, you can pick them up on your way out. Um, there are various categories of spiritual gifts. And this particular category that we're going to talk about today are called the service gifts or the motivational gifts. But I want to let you know that in Scripture, we are a full Bible preaching and Bible believing church. In Scripture, there are different categories. There are the sign gifts. Those are the things like word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, faith, healing, miracles, uh, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Those are all spoken about and taught on in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In Ephesians chapter 4, we learn about the leadership gifts. Apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers. Those are more spiritual gifts. What we're getting into is a series today that is really gifts that are for service and outreach. And they function on a very personal level. And they are, they are to function on a way where you begin to understand how you're wired how God's put you together with all your personality traits and characteristics to function together in God's kingdom, not just in the church, but outside of the church uh, for the good of the whole. And those gifts are mercy, teaching, prophecy, giving, exhortation, serving, and administration. And what we have on this purple sheet of paper is all of those gifts, definitions of those gifts, the subsequent strengths and weaknesses. You say, well, that's an awful lot. And, and this is kind of like we're, we're going to be going to school over the next few weeks because it's critical that God's people be educated on the Word of God, what the Bible says. Would you agree? Okay, half of you would, so that's good. Would you agree it's important that we understand what this teaches us? And how to function in the body. And we're all very unique. We're very different, right? We come in different shapes and sizes too, right? Big and small, short and tall, and the rest. And we're all different. But God has wired you uniquely. And so as we teach on these gifts, it's important that you realize that the gifts of mercy, teaching, prophecy, giving, exhortation, some of those gifts sound really super spiritual. But here's the reality. There's a lot of the gifts that, there's a lot of you that have gifts that uh, they, are, they are those, but there are little subcategories of, uh, like the speaker said a, a few weeks ago, the etc. gifts. You might be really good at working with your hands. You may really love working with your hands. You may be, that, that may be something that you're very good at, building things, making things, fixing things, fixing cars, whatever it is. You need to realize, and you enjoy that, that God wired you and created you that way. You may not find mechanic in the Bible, master mechanic, or master carpenter, or electrician, but you need to realize that those are areas that God has gifted you at and given you abilities at and you can use those for kingdom purposes. 
So I want you to be careful in your mind that you don't hyper-spiritualize things that are just very practical. It's how God made you. It's how God wired you. It's the things that you like and that you're interested in. And it's when you begin to understand that's how God made me, how can I function in his kingdom and be a blessing to others within the context of how God wired me. And that's why this message in this series is so critical for the church to get it, to understand. Because you might be living next door to a person, uh, let's say she's an elderly lady and her, her front door is broken or her car's broke down and you may have the ability to fix those things and to take care of those things. How can you do that in a way that God can open up a door for you to share the love of Jesus through very practical ways? And that's what we as a church have to understand more and more because don't look now but the church is, the, the world is not flooding to the church in, in groves of numbers, right? We've got to go to them in very real life, practical, tangible, everyday areas and be like Jesus with skin on and say, how can I minister to my neighbor or the person at the grocery store through the gifts that God has given me? So as we teach on these gifts, I want you to also be thinking in your mind, oh yeah, I'm, I am good at this and I do like that and I, I find pleasure in doing this. That's how God wired you. And at the end of the day today, I'm going to say, how are you using that? And we're going to talk specifically today about, about the mercy gift. And you may say, I don't, I don't have that gift of mercy. And that's fine. Not everybody does. But everybody in this room, everybody in here today, has at least one, if not more, of these seven gifts that I'm going to be talking about over the next several weeks. Today might not be your day. But today might be a day that you say, oh yeah, I know so-and-so that's got that gift. And so instead of getting frustrated with so-and-so who has that gift, you can realize how that gift functions and operates and how we work together for the good of the whole. So this is a really critical series because it's, it's very much service and outreach oriented. And as you hear me say a lot from this pulpit, the church is the only organization in the world that exists entirely for its non-members. We exist, the whole reason for the church is for those who are not here. So the church has to learn how to go, how to reach out, how to use the gifts that God's given you and employ them in the world, not just here in the church. See, we're not trying to say, oh yeah, you've got this gift, you should be serving in the nursery. No, I mean, those are all, yeah, great, they're practical stuff that needs to happen in the church, but it's about realizing where and how you can use your gifts out there. Are you with me? Yes. Great, let's get started. You ready? Yes. Romans chapter 12, verse 3, what is a motivational gift? For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though are many, are one body in Christ. And individually, members of one another. So if you're in the body of Christ, you belong to the person next to you and they belong to you. We function together. And when we understand our gifts more, and then we can help to see them in other people better, we function better. Right? 
having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us what? Use them. So, many people with many gifts. And here's, here's part of the uh, a problem with the church. There's a lot of gifts that lie dormant within a lot of people in the body of Christ. And I believe that if you don't use the gifts God's given you, you'll lose the gifts. So you have to use those gifts. And you might sit here and say, wow, I feel like maybe at one time I had that and I've lost it. You cry out to God, Lord, I missed the ball. I missed the mark. Restore unto me that which you've given to me so that I can be used for your kingdom purposes. If it's prophecy in proportion to our faith, that's the first one. If service, then in serving. The one who teaches in his teaching. The one who exhorts in his exhortation. The one who gives with generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. See, the Bible gives very strong indication that God has given every believer a predominant motivational gift. And that's what these gifts are. They are, they are gifts to motivate us. And this, this motivational gift dictates how every believer should function in the body of Christ. We all have a different motivating factor. The seven gifts that, that are listed here show the various ways that members of Christ's body are motivated to function. But in, in Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it says this, As each has received a gift, use it to do what? Serve one another. Say that together. Wake up. To serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. The key word that Scripture uses here in Romans chapter 12 Verse 3 through 8 is the word function. In the King James Version, it uses the word office. It's the Greek word for praxis, and it basically just means a person's ongoing business or function. That's what praxis means. In verse 4 and 5, Paul states that the church is a unified body, but has a diversity in functions. Very diverse functions, right? We're one body... Yet we have different motivational gifts and functions. And each person has their own approach. And it's a different approach to how they would do things, ministry-based, upon that particular motivational gift that each person has. Have you ever done something and you got it done and someone else came along and like, oh yeah, well that's not how I would do it. Well, of course. It's not how you would do it because we do things differently. And we both maybe got the job done, but we got it done by different approaches, right? And that has to do a little bit with personality characteristics as well. Has anybody ever taken a personality test? Anybody ever do the, the, the Carlson or the... Yeah, there's lots of different... Um, uh, what's the other big one? I can't... Briggs, thank you. Briggs, uh, um, personality test, Briggs and Meyer. We do at the church here, um, uh, just a simpler one by Gary Smalley called the, um, the animal one. It's the lion, beaver, otter, retriever. Anybody ever take the Gary Smalley test? Yeah. So, yeah, we do that as a staff. Good, I'm glad we're not the only ones. Um, Robin's like, yes, we do. I'm a beaver, I'm an otter, I'm a retriever. So we have lion, beaver, otter, retriever. And it's really important when a lion comes in the room, a lion is like, roar, you know, hear me roar, I'm in charge, you know, I'm the, I'm the kind of boss type of personality. Um, when they're working with the otter or the retriever, 
you know, the, the golden retriever. He just wants to be loved. He wants everybody to be his friend, right? Somebody pet me, and I just want everybody to love me. I want everybody to get along. Let's all be friends. And the lion, the lion comes in and just wreaks havoc. And so you have, to, you have these different personality types. And when you're working together, it helps you when you understand. I'm a, I'll just let it out of the bag. I'm the lion beaver on the team. I'm the, the roar really loud, but the beaver worker, uh, go, 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 go. Uh, anybody else lion beaver? What are you guys? You, yeah, Tristan, I could see that in you. Yeah, he, he's a little bit of a lion beaver. Um, and then you've got the otters, you've got the retrievers. Everybody kind of has different little roles, but similar to understanding people's personality traits. These, these help with other relationships. So anybody here have a relationship with anybody else out there in the world? <laughs> Some of you are really introverts. You, we, we all have to have relationships with other people in the world, whether at work or at home, with our spouses, with our families, with in-laws and outlaws and the like. It helps to understand people's personality, characteristics and traits. Similarly, Spiritual gifts kind of tie into that. When you can see and understand how a person operates and how they function and why they do the things you do, instead of getting annoyed, you begin to understand a little bit more that we have different functions, but we're one body. So in verse 6, it says we have different gifts according to the grace given us. As this means that the Holy Spirit gifts every individual, motivating us to function in a particular way in Christ's body. So the question is, how are you wired? What is your motivating function to serve? What is it and how are you doing at that? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray in the next few minutes you would speak to our hearts through the Word of God, that, that your truths of Scripture would come alive in our minds and in our heart. It would transform our way of thinking in our minds and our, our way of feeling in our hearts and compel us, God, to, to be more aggressive about discovering what our gifts are and how we are to function in the body and then to employ that gift here in the church and in our community. So open up in our minds and enlighten us today, I pray, in our spirits. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we discover and learn our own gifts, we also need to learn to respect others' gifts and be cautious not to become too rigid in defining these gifts. As I said, there are, there are definitions on the back of here, um, but you got to be cautious to not get too rigid on things, right? There are lots of ministries uh, here in this church, whether it be the First Impressions team, ushering, teaching, hospitality, um, different areas to serve. We have people that take care of the flowers. They like doing that. That's kind of their area. And, and lots of these things fall under the, some of the seven motivational gifts. And each of us can be used in, in a number of functions, according to Romans 12, at, at different times. And so discovering what it is, just never rule out Never rule out a gift that, that may be needed. Don't say, well, I'm not a, and I'll use for instance today, I'm not a mercy person, so don't ask me to do that because that's not me. Now, what's the most important gift? What is the, out of all the spiritual gifts Scripture teaches, what is the single most important gift? And that's a question that people ask me a lot. Can you guess what the answer is? It's the one that's needed at that time. Yeah. It's the one that's needed right now, you know. 
if the gift of healing is needed and a person needs healing in their body, they don't, they don't need uh, teaching. They don't need the gift of teaching to be operated over them, right? They need healing. So God knows what your predominant characteristics are and he set you apart to be used according to how he made you and how he wired you. Your brain operates a certain way. But when you came to Jesus... God then chose to motivate you in a certain way and, and he knows and he takes into account all of these things in your life, your, your abilities, your training, your creativity, the things that you like and dislike. God wired you and he made you. He understands that. And so there, there are no two people alike in the world. I know you've probably had people say, oh, I saw someone that looks just like you. And there might be people that look similar, but there's no two people in the world that are exactly alike. Not their personality, their chromosomes. He made no mistake in placing you in his body for a purpose. And he gifted and motivated you to fulfill a function. How many people go to church every week or maybe just in life and feel like, I don't fit in anywhere? Don't raise your hand. I don't belong anywhere. I don't know where I, I, don't know where I fit. Because I'm just kind of... I'm an odd duck, or I'm awkward, or I'm you fill in the blank. I, I can't tell you how many people that I know of that feel that way. I don't fit in anywhere. Can I just tell you there's a lot of people in this room that feel that way? I go to church every week and I don't fit in there. And I go to work and I'm not like anybody else. I don't have any friends there. I don't fit in. You know, society is a very lonely place today. It's very lonely. It's important for you to discover who you are in Christ and how he wired you. And you own some of the responsibility of discovering what your gifts are and then developing those gifts and then using those gifts. How many of you have been in a place at a time and, and um, you really felt compelled to act upon something. Let's say you're in the, the grocery store and you saw someone in need and, and you just wanted to help them pick up that heavy bag of dog food and, and you were right there and it was an elderly person you're like, I'm going to help, I'm going to help. Oh, I don't want to help. She doesn't know me. She might think I'm weird. Should I help it? And, the, and then the moment's gone and you miss it. Has that ever happened to anybody? Yeah. I'm the only one. Okay, good. Thank you. <laughs> Fill in the blank. It could be anything else. And then you miss it and you say, oh, I wish I didn't miss that. Or, or you see someone that is, you just want to go encourage them because they seem downtrodden and discouraged. And we miss those opportunities. So just realize that God birthed those things in your heart that you see things that other people might not see. Somebody else may have walked right past that and didn't care because they didn't really have that gift of serving, but you do. Or that gift of mercy, but you do. And when you don't act upon those things... When God gives you those opportunities and you let them go and you miss out on that, then you kick yourself later and say, oh, why, did I, why, did I do, why didn't I do that? Why didn't I act? Right? I think there's more of you that have felt that way. I'm going to give you a profound biblical counseling this morning. Okay? Are you ready? Yes. Get your pen out. You have notes too. Get your pens out, and I want you to write these things down. These are fill in the blanks. So, when that happens, I want you to write down these two words Stop it. Stop it. Stop it.
Stop missing out. Stop not doing it. Just stop it. When you see the opportunity, act upon it. And when you do that, here's the beauty of how God works. He continues to give increase. He continues to give you increase because he sees that you'll be faithful and obedient. You see, God wired you that way with that gift of mercy or that gift of serving or that gift of administration, whatever it might be. And there are opportunities all around you throughout the day and you see them. But sometimes we grow blind to them because we don't act upon them. So stop it. Stop missing it. Act upon it, all right? As we study these seven motivations, I want you to discover your gifts and begin using them because here's the truth. God has invested into your life. He has gifted you. You may not feel like you're gifted. You may say, well, I'm nothing special. And, but what you need to understand is that every single one of you has one of these seven gifts that we're going to be talking about. And so you are gifted. At least one. As I said, one more predominant one. Most of you have more than one. So you are gifted. And God has invested into you. It's up to you to discover what that gift is and then to begin using that gift. Are you with me? So as you discover and exercise these, these motivational gifts, I, I want to encourage you also to allow the Lord to deepen uh, your, your appreciation for those whose gifts are different than yours. Because there's going to be different... There's going to be different ones. Remember, it's God's idea that he brought us all together to function together for the good of the whole. The first gift that we're going to get into, now we're on your fill-in-the-blanks, by the way. If you're a fill-in person, uh, don't stress and panic. If you miss a fill-in-the-blank, I know there's some of you that are really OCD about that. You can stop at the information desk. They have all the fill-ins there, but I'll try to put the blanks up on the screen for you in yellow writing. You know those people, right? That they, I missed the blank, stop! Can you go back to page two? And I know the folding thing is backwards. That's because I, I'm not good at copying, but uh, don't crucify me. The motivational gift of mercy or the service gift of mercy. Uh, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, he that shows mercy, Romans 12, 6 through 8, with cheerfulness. If you've got mercy, use cheerfulness. So the Greek term... Ileo is the Greek word used in the New Testament to describe this gift. And it means to identify with the misery of another and take concrete action to alleviate their suffering. That's the Greek definition. The gift of mercy is that special ability that God has given to certain members of the body of Christ to feel a genuine empathy and compassion for individuals, both Christian and non-Christian, who suffer distressing physical, mental, or emotional problems, and to translate that compassion into cheerfully done deeds that reflect Christ's love and alleviate the suffering. That's out of Peter Wagner's book on mercy. You say, well, that's a pretty long definition. It'll start to unfold as we go through this this morning. You say, well, aren't Christians just supposed to be loving people anyway? Aren't we supposed to be merciful? Aren't we supposed to be kind and compassionate? Absolutely, we all are, right? And we should be. Every Christian is expected to be merciful and compassionate, but those with the gift of mercy and compassion really make mercy their lifestyle. It's their lifestyle. That's your next feeling. They do not simply react when emergencies arise or when there's a, a crisis, as every Christian should do, but they continually look for opportunities. Mercy people look for opportunities to care for people that are in distress. 
You say, well, what's the, what's the whole cheerfulness part? The, sh the scripture says to show mercy with cheerfulness. If you're looking at your, your uh, text here, show mercy with cheerfulness. Why is that important? Well, the Lord says it's important and we're commanded to exercise it with cheerfulness because the one exercising this gift can very easily become overwhelmed with grief in their identification with the hurts of others. So mercy people do this all the time, right? Mercy people who have this gift, they see someone hurting, they run to their aid, they go to love and support them, but they take on all of their pain and all of their stress and all of their, uh, their hardships and their difficulty. The mercy person kind of takes that onto their backpack. And now they've got all this weight. And mercy people don't just stop with one person. They are attracted to people who are in distress. That's how they're wired. So somebody else in distress and they run over here and they minister to them. And what do they do with all their grief and their sorrow? They put that back on their backpack as well. So it begins to burden and weigh you down. And if you're a mercy person, you're smiling and laughing right now because you know that's the truth. Right? But who was designed and created to carry the weight upon the, of the world upon his shoulders? Jesus and Christ alone, right? God's given you the gift so you can be like Jesus with skin on, but you need to remind that person that I am not your hope. I am not your savior. I am not your rescuer. It's Jesus. I'm going to be here for you and I'm going to listen to you and, and with a smile, I'll show mercy, but I take all that stuff and I lay it down at the foot of the cross. And if you don't do that as a mercy person, you're going to lose your joy. Because there's a lot of broken, hurting, messed up people who are in a lot of distress in the world. Has anybody else noticed that? <laughs> and so as a mercy person, extend mercy. But do it, the Bible says, to do it with cheerfulness, Paul says. And you can very quickly lose your joy because you're identifying with the needs of others. You can become so burdened down and so weighed down with the cares and the worries of this world that you lose your joy. So it's important. Remember, who's the joy giver? It's Christ and Christ alone. He's given you that gift, but remember that you don't own everybody's problems. Mercy, people. So here are the recipients of this gift. And this is fun because you can, you can even see this in young people, in children. And I've seen it in my own children. The recipients of this gift are those that are ill, mentally challenged, handicapped, people who are imprisoned, poor, blind, shut in, elderly, hungry, the one who needs comfort and distress. And I, I know that I've seen it in my own kids when, uh, you know, there's that exceptional, you, you, many of us, if we see somebody handicapped, you know, we're, we might be, oh, you know, our heart goes out to them. But a mercy person sees them and they just want to go, they bring joy to them and happiness, but they want to go love on them and they want to support them and they want to help them because they're drawn to that, right? So are you following me on who the, who the recipients of that gift are? But it helps you to see kind of what your calling is here. So there's characteristic strengths and weaknesses of, of all the gifts. And I'm going to read through them. They're on your strengths right there. There's nine of them. They have a special sensitivity to the emotional needs and feelings of others. Mercy people do, right? They're very sensitive. They have a tendency to avoid any actions that will hurt the feelings of others, including discipline. So if mom and dad are both mercy people, someone needs to kind of take off the mercy hat and discipline the kids. Because kids need discipline. They need boundaries. They need some guidance and some guidelines, right? So you can't have two mercy. Oh, it's okay. Little Johnny disobeyed again. But he's so cute. And I don't want to just, you know, let's just, aw. There needs to be a balance. 
So another strength is, and we're going to talk about the weaknesses and the balances, uh, deeply concerned about people on a one-on-one -on -one basis. They're constantly attracted. That's your next fill-in. Uh, I listed them down there and skipped some that didn't need a fill-in. They're constantly attracted to those who are in distress. They have an intuitive ability to, dete to detect hurt feelings in others. So here, getting back to the grocery store. A mercy person can be walking through the grocery store, walk by a complete stranger. And they have this intuitive ability to know that that person just needs a hug. Or needs a word of encouragement. And it's like, I can't go up and hug a stranger. I don't know that stranger. Here's, listen, here's how the body of Christ works. This is why we always say the church has to leave the church. You go out and you do those things that are abnormal to the world. That are looked at as being backwards and upside down. The kingdom of God is upside down. It doesn't make sense. It's backwards. But when the church acts as a church should act, the world will be different. And the world needs the church to get out there and to do and act upon those things that God has wired you to do and act upon. Mercy. So stop the person that you don't know and say, listen, I don't know you. This might be strange, but I just really feel that you've got a, uh, something's on your heart. And I just want to encourage you today. And, and can I ask you your name? And I'm going to pray for you. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. And when you act upon those feelings that are deep inside of your gut and you know that they're from God, God will increase your sensitivity to those things. He'll use you. This is why the church has to act on the gifts that God has given you. They are from God. He has invested into you. You have a responsibility to act upon what God has birthed in you. Are you with me? Ability to respond quickly to others with tenderness and kindness. A strong emphasis on prayer and the ministry of healing. These are mercy people. Ability to communicate unconditional love to people. There's a readiness to sacrifice to meet the needs of others. Now servers. Servers is another one of our, our gifts that we talk about. They're also sacrificial in nature, but their sacrifice is a little different. It's directed toward getting a task accomplished. Rather than ministering to the emotional need of a person, a server is, we got a task to do. Right? There's similarities but differences. Let me talk about the weaknesses. Mercy people may become too emotionally involved with others and lose their sense of objectivity. And that can be a dangerous thing for a mercy person. And these things also play out in our job functions, in our workplaces. And so you need to understand, that's why there's got to be balance, healthy balance. When you know and understand your personality traits and your spiritual giftings, you can realize that, oh man, you know, sometimes if I'm, if I'm so merciful, I'm not objective in, in my job function, that could be a problem, right? may become too close in spirit to those who are not as sensitive to others. Um, I know mercy people that have left churches because they said, well, you know, the people, we're just not sensitive enough to people that are hurting and, and there's not enough love and mercy because mercy people are super hypersensitive to that maybe. Uh, not in a bad way because it's needed. But may tend to avoid situations involving stress, conflict, or firmness. Mercy people don't like to be firm. It's not within their nature. They may be indecisive and unwilling to speak the truth in love, which causes more problems when a loving rebuke is necessary. 
Hello? Sometimes there needs to be a loving rebuke. It's necessary. But a mercy person doesn't want to go there. Because of their deep concern for others, many, many merciful people ignore the needs of their own family because they're just so focused. Uh, because they're sensitive, merciful people tend to be easily wounded by others. Because mercy people feel intensely, they're, they're, they're very, they're feeler people, right? They're all heart. The merciful can fail, uh, fall into the trap of living by their feelings instead of by the truth. And because merciful people are eager to help people out of their suffering, they will many times short-circuit God's process of discipline. Struggle is your last fill-in. Struggle is painful. Mercy people don't want to see people in pain. They want to rescue them, right? If you're a mercy person, you don't want to see someone struggling. The first thing you want to do is throw them a life vest, right? Let me rescue them. Be careful. Because sometimes struggle, though painful, is necessary. Be careful to discern as to why someone is in their predicament. And don't give sympathy and encouragement to those who are suffering as a result of violating God's moral law. You'll do more harm than good. You'll deal with the symptoms and not the cause. So, merciful people need to learn not to be rescuers in every situation. Alright? Sometimes God's allowed struggle to come upon people because that presses and, and crushes and it draws us to hopefully look to God. Let me give you some of the examples of the Lord that we find in Scripture. Um, because Jesus is called our merciful high priest. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17. Jesus is our merciful high priest. Thank God for his mercy, right? Jesus totally identifies with the pain and suffering of man's fallen condition. It teaches in Philippians chapter 2. Paul teaches us. And also in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is full of compassion for all that are in distress. Yet, Jesus was balanced. Right? Jesus displayed anger. Mercy people say, oh, you know, you can't get angry. He said, in your anger, sin not. But Jesus rebuked Peter and others in Matthew chapter 4. When it was necessary, he gave people a loving rebuke. Straighten up. Knock it off. That's not okay. He never lived by his feelings. That's hard for mercy people because they're feeling people. And he allowed others to experience struggles that were necessary. And if you're a parent and your kids are struggling too in areas, it's hard if you're a mercy person to let them struggle even more as a parent, right? But he purposely allowed his good friend Lazarus to die. He could, have, he could have kept that from happening. But he allowed Lazarus to die to teach Mary and Martha the significance of his resurrection power. Yeah. Jesus had incredible balance. So my, my question for those of you that are here today as we wrap up. Where is your sensitivity? Or let's, let's maybe put it like this. Let's pray for a greater sensitivity to the feelings of others. And let's move with compassion to relieve those that are distressed.
Let's show that love. Let's pray for discernment as to the cause of the distress. And let's not be too quick. Let's not be too quick to interfere with God's discipline of those who might be struggling. Because that may just be right where God needs them to be, right? So here's my question in closing for you this morning. Do you have the motivational gift of mercy? Are you a mercy person? And maybe by the, by the end of today, you, you've looked at the strengths and weaknesses and said, yeah, I'm a mercy person. Maybe you already knew that. Maybe you, you've discovered that you're a mercy person, but you're not really using that gift. So you say, well, where can I use that gift? That's, that's up to you to really begin to, to explore that and say, okay, God, where do you want to use me? In the church, at home, in the marketplace, in my workplace, where am I to use this gift for you, Lord? And what I would say to you, as we discover these gifts and we're, we're getting educated on them, it's important for you to begin to pray, God, give me opportunities. Help me to see the opportunities that maybe I was blinded to because I didn't realize that it was a gift. Here's where a lot of people make mistakes. I just thought it was a feeling. Do you know that God works through your emotions? Because God made you that way. He gave you your emotions for a reason. So those are, those are gifts from God. They're investments from our Heavenly Father into you to be used to help build His kingdom. That's what the church is all about. It's not coming here and sitting here every Sunday and just hearing a nice message. My job as a pastor is to train God's people for works of service. So now if you know you've got the gift of mercy, here's your training. Go do something about it. Okay? Go do something with it. Use that gift to be a blessing to others. And realize there are other people that will rub you wrong and tick you off because they're not as merciful as you. But you need their gifts too. That's the beauty of the whole body working together for the good of the whole. Are you following? Yeah. So I'm excited about this series. I hope you'll, you'll, you'll dig in and hold on and, and get a lot out of this. Uh, if you didn't get one of these on your way in, grab one on your way out because it goes through these seven gifts that we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks. We won't be uh, talking about it next week, but we'll get back into these gifts because it's critical that you understand what your function is here in the body and in this church as we go out there and we do what God's called us to do. Now, it's amazing how God is gifted and, and he's brought um, different people to function together. Yeah. And I love how he builds his church and he builds his kingdom. And God has, uh, God has blessed his church in so many ways. Um, and there are seasons to everything. The Bible says, even in fact, all the way in the Old Testament, that um, the sons of Issachar knew the seasons. There's a season for um, uh, planting and a season for harvesting, right? There's winter seasons, spring and summer. And God has blessed our church with a, a wonderful family over the last year. And, and many of you may not even really know them that well. Um, but you, you probably know Oscar. Uh, Oscar, has, uh, he's one of those people a lot of people get to know. And about a year ago, uh, well, about 10 years ago, my wife and I met the Camarana family on the mission field in Guatemala. And uh, they became dear friends of ours uh, and more than friends family. We love them. And we knew about a year ago that God was calling them to come to Centerpoint to be a part of our family. Uh, but we also knew at that time that it may not be a long tenure. Uh, it was a season of transition for that family and for us and God brought him here for and them the family for such a time and over the last year um, I've learned a lot from Oscar when he came here 
He said, you know, I want to come and I want to learn and grow into your ministry. But ultimately, Oscar and Norales feel God's calling them to the mission field. Yeah. So in a week, they'll be leaving for the Dominican Republic for, uh, for three weeks of service in the DR to Oscar's home country that he left when he was about 14 years old. Yeah. Uh, and he was not a believer. And he's going back there now to preach the word of God in the streets that he grew up on in the Dominican. So uh, that is really cool in his native tongue that he flows very fluently in. <laughs> But Norales uh, has been kind of the quiet, soft-spoken one behind the scenes. You haven't seen or heard a lot from her. But she has been just as integral part of, of this ministry in our lives behind the scenes, as have their two children. And they're going to be leaving and moving after they come home from the DR. They're, they're actually transitioning and moving down to Florida. Um, there's a, uh, a church that they're going to be involved with there. It's kind of a mixture of American, uh, Hispanic church. Um, but they will always be a part of this church because they're family now. Um, and the way that God works his kingdom is uh, sometimes he brings people into your life for a season and it, and it, doesn't, um, it doesn't feel like it's long enough. And so we've kind of felt like it's not long enough, but yet when God speaks, you know it's, it's time to act. So we are going to bring them up and pray over them in just a minute um, because that's a, that's a huge loss for our, I shouldn't say the loss. It's a, uh, personally, I'm going to miss them and, and deeply love them, but we're excited for them because we're, God has used this church as a sending station. He brings people, they get something, and we send them off. Uh, well, there's another family that we're losing that many of you found out about a few months ago, and that's Matthew and Sadie. And I think Sadie might be taking care of Asa right now. So Matthew and Sadie Spurlock uh, moved here from Kansas about a year and a half ago. Wow. No, two. Almost two years ago. Seems like yesterday, Matthew. Two years ago, and they have a new addition. They came here. They have little baby Asa. Uh, Sadie has been, um, for the last year, she's been the... Our school, um, what's the right term, office manager over at Temple Academy. Matthew's been a teacher at our school. Um, they're a beautiful young family, and they're, they're moving back to where their whole family is. Um, but I would say for both of these families, um, though the time has been short for them, and they've, they've actually been a part of our staff, it has not been for naught. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We've learned from them. They've learned from us. And so I'm going to invite um, both of those families, if they would come, and some of our board and staff and some of their friends to just come. And the whole family, you guys come on up here. And I know Sadie's probably taking care of feeding her little Asa. So there she is. So, honey, would you come and just grab that mic, Lisa? Would have you come as well? Kevin, I know Zach is in the... The, the kids' church. Come on, stand up here, guys. Some of our board that's here, some of our friends. The rest of you would just stand to your feet. Steve, why don't you come? John, you guys can come, and others, others that love this family. Let's gather around them. And uh, I, I'm going to give the, where's the mic? I'm going to give each of them just a, a moment to share from their heart. Matthew, the Lord has used in a lot of ways. Come on over here, guys, nice and close. Yeah. Uh, and Sadie, Matthew's, the Lord's given him words often for, for me and for this church. And um, he told me he felt like God put something on his heart that I want to give him an opportunity to share. And then just a, just a quick word for our folks, if you'd like to say, Matthew, and then Oscar. And we're going to pray on these folks and love over them. Thank you. Um, so this morning I was thinking, 
thinking about uh, trees during worship, and if you think about trees, they don't do they don't do very well if they're constantly being uprooted and moved. Um, they're going to eventually die. They need the nutrients. They need the water that soil brings them. And the Bible says that we're called to be oaks of righteousness, um, and we can so easily be, be grounded in different things, but not be grounded near enough to the Lord to get the stuff that we need. So um, it also says one of the prophets say that even the acts that we do as believers um, are filthy rags. So um, what I felt like the Lord was saying was that as oaks of righteousness, we're supposed to be planted near to his presence because that's where we're going to get everything we need. Just as the trees need the nutrients from the soil, the water um, from the skies and the sunlight, um, if we're planted near to the presence of God, we're going we're gonna to get everything we need. And we don't have to do anything. Um, we can be planted. We can grow strong as oaks of righteousness. And the Lord will use us as oaks to minister and to, to do everything that he's called us mm-hmm. to do, including these motivational gifts that PC is talking about. So um, that's what I have for you guys, awesome. being planted near to the presence of God. Love you, man. Thank you, Matthew. Oscar, my brother, you know Oscar's a heart guy. One of the things that he's taught me, and I've learned from both of these amazing men, uh, Oscar, Oscar teaches you how to love, doesn't he? He's, uh, he knows how to love, and uh, he's taught me you know, how to be more tender in that area. I thought he was a visitor today with his new haircut, by the way. He told me that's his, that's his missions haircut. Yeah, that's how... how come on. What are you doing? Hey, hi. Come on, man. Mika. Mika. <laughs> Come on, be a man. Family. It's family, yeah. right? We all love it's each family. other. Oh, thank you, Pastor. I love you, buddy. Um, thank you for believing my family and me, and for giving me that year that we knew that it was gonna bring a lot of closeness, but. Uh, I didn't leave, I'm not, we're not leaving Maine uh, and leaving friends behind. We're leaving family behind. And um, even though God is doing what he's doing, you know, I love, I love you and your family a lot. I love each one of us, oh, everybody here. I learn a lot. Uh, I, love, I learn a lot. My family, um, has, you have blessing my family in all kind of aspects. Uh, through this whole year and we're not going to say goodbye we're going to say see you later right because we're still doing missions and we're going to meet in the missions field and we're going to do we're going to continue spending the gospel here and abroad you know I just got to go back and do some stuff but thank you for the time that you gave me Thank you for uh, the time that you allow me to talk to you and be part of you for that little moment. Uh, I really take it to my heart. And <laughs> we love you guys. Like you said, we have a family now that's just spread out all around the world. And that's the, uh, that's the beauty of God's family, isn't it? Amen. We love both of these families and what a blessing they have been. And Sadie came without a child and <laughs> God has blessed God has blessed her. Would you stretch a hand towards these, these families, guys? And uh, yeah, there's tears because we love. And we love right. We love deeply. But we know that God has a plan. Lord, we thank you so much for the season that you have given us with the Spurlock family and with the Camaranas. Uh, Lord, what an amazing, enriching season it's been for both us and them. A season of growth. And, and just learning together on this journey that we call life. 
thank you for blessing and pouring out favor upon them. I thank you for blessing Matthew and Sadie with Asa. What a miracle from you, Lord. And we thank you for this beautiful new life that you have blessed them with. And be with them as they go back now to Kansas to be with, with their biological family. And I thank you, Lord, for what you did in them during this season that they were away from them. Thank you for Neralis and Oscar and Emily and Juice and for blessing us, Lord, with this incredible family here at Centerpoint. Though it's been short, it's been rich and full. And God, I pray that you would, as you have blessed their coming, you would bless their going. Prepare the way, Lord, as they go to the Dominican in just a week. I pray for amazing favor. I pray that you would use Oscar as an oracle, as an instrument, Lord, that his voice would be able to articulate those things that you have put on his heart as he ministers to his homeland there that don't know Jesus. God, use him. And Neralis, Lord, as, as she acts in so many ways behind the scenes, but also an interpreter. And thank you for their amazing children. God, keep a blessing in, upon them as they go into a new school and so many big transition, transitions for young people. Lord, I pray you'd bless them, protect them, watch over them, and keep this family hemmed in. And I thank you for this time. Bless them, Lord, and expand their ministry outreach as they move forward into a new chapter. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Come and love on these guys before you leave today, and we will see you all next week for service. God bless you. Thank you for being here.